And so uh, I'm ready to get into the word. Today is the last day where we are going into our Disconnected, the State of Apathy series. We hope that you've been blessed by it. God has been moving each week. Lives have been changed. There's been salvation every single week from our Spanish service into this service. And it's just been beautiful seeing God bringing people back home and welcoming them home and being a part of what God's called them to be. And so I'm really excited because today is not just the final message where it's like it's over from here. But no, I really believe that you have a decision to make today. And if there's been something that's stirring in your heart all week or in this service and you've already been feeling like there's something that needs to happen in my life, God may be speaking to you. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just something that you're longing for and you need fulfillment in. But can I ask you to press in today to really open up your heart, open up your mind to what God has in store for today? It's not me speaking. I truly believe in, in, that God is going to be speaking through me and, and allowing him to use me as a vessel. But I just ask you to really press in, remove distractions, really just, just press in. And something that I love about being able to preach and, and being able to bring the word of God is the response of the people. I don't live off of the response, but it's beautiful to know that somebody is receiving something something. Amen. If something that I say resonates with your life, can you just say amen? If something that I say resonates inside of you, can you just give a praise God? I don't know how it is that you may worship, but let's practice. God is good. Amen, amen right? That was good. That was easy. That was good. We're good. Some teachers are going back to school tomorrow. God bless you all. God bless you all. You're like, yay. But today we close out our series, Disconnected, the State of Apathy. And the verse this month that we've been opening with has been in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, which says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. See, zeal is having great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of something. Fervor is an intense and passionate feeling. So never lack in zeal and in fervor, never lack in passion, never lack in enthusiasm for the things of the Lord. But the opposite of zeal and fervor is apathy. And apathy is to be disconnected. Spiritual apathy is the absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. It's a lack of interest in a concern for things that others find moving or exciting. Last week, I posed three questions, and if you weren't here last week, I, I'd encourage you to go check out our Revive Clean YouTube page, and you can listen back to, to the message. But last week, I, I posed three questions that may help diagnose the possible issues underlying our apathy, knowing that apathy could be a com combination of things that causes us to feel the way we feel. But three specific questions we went over last week was, am I living in unconfessed sin? Have I neglected God's means of grace? And the third question is, what fills my mind on a daily basis? What am I focusing on every single day? See, Scripture is clear that we have a role to play in overcoming apathy. For example, we read at the beginning, Paul exhorting to never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The assumption here is that zeal, which is the antithesis of apathy, can be cultivated. The path to healing begins with coming to grips with the causes of our indifference. Something that my wife and I do whenever we do counseling is if, especially if the person called for it and asked for it and they're actually saying what it is that they're going through and they've had enough of whatever it is that they're going through, that's the first step to their healing. That's the first step to their freedom is actually acknowledging that there's a problem. To actually accept that I am going through this or I am this. And the beauty is that it can be cultivated in order to lead them to healing. It can be cultivated. Passion can be cultivated. Zeal can be cultivated. Enthusiasm can be cultivated. You sitting here today by your own choice and your own will is cultivating something, a hunger for God. If you, at least you have a curiosity, well, then that's great. That's a start. See, Jonah, and I want to read into a story, Jonah uh, chapter 1. If you have your Bible, go to Jonah chapter 1. And I'm not going to go so in-depth with the, with the story, but I, I want to go in-depth about a response to what God asks us to do. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatatai. He says, Go to the great city of Nineveh right, and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. If you're taking notes, I want you to write the title of this last message in our Disconnected, the State of Apathy apathy series. Go ahead and write down this title. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here today. We thank you, Lord, for air conditioning, for a room, Lord, for the people around us. We thank you, Lord, that you've uh, set us in a safe place, Lord, to hear your word. And, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, that each person that's in the room at the sound of my voice, Lord, is able to receive something today, Lord, that they've been longing or asking for, Father. Lord, that life change begins now in this moment. Lord, we ask you that salvation is in the room. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that liberation is in the room, Lord. And, Lord, that what you're about to impart to us will not leave us the same. In Jesus' name, we pray and say, amen, amen. Now, a show of hands. How many of us have done things and undertaken projects only to find that at the end it was a bit of a waste of time? Look around if you have hands up. You might be looking at a quitter. Just look around. Just look around. You might be saying, I'm not a quitter. Hold on. I'm not a quitter. Uh, It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2 through 3, it's an interesting verse. It says, meaningless meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That was four times. It says in verse 3, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. In the message translation, it says smoke and nothing but smoke. I, I like this because there are people that quit on their marriages, quit on their kids, quit on their businesses, quit on God, and some quit on life. And we've been reminded that God is looking for people who will be faithful and not quit because they know the call of God in their life. People who want to walk into the promised land and receive because they know that this is their destiny. Sometimes our lives have a sense of destiny about them. Is there anyone in the room that feels like there's something more to my life than what I'm just actively living in the moment? Have you just sat in your job and been like, there's more to this? Have you sat like in a room and be like, man, I feel like there's more to this? I feel like, have, have you been somewhere and you've been like, man, like, I feel like I could do do this? Is there anyone that's like me in that, right? Where there's a drive that's inside of you to do more, to be more, to become more, right? There's something within us, right? I hope you're not sitting here in your marriage going, there's more to this. We have some counseling for you guys. There's a lot of books that can help you. But King David was brought up in Israel with a particular destiny as a member of an esteemed family of Jesse. When they asked, is there someone, when, when King Saul was going through his turmoil, is there someone that can come help ease my mind? And they're like, I know, the son of Jesse. His name is David. Oh, he's, he's fine and handsome. He's strong. He's a mighty warrior. And they called to him, and they brought him. He went from being in the fields and ended up becoming anointed and ended up becoming, we know, the king of Israel. But Jonah, on the other hand, was brought up on a beach. And the thing about Jonah is in verse 1 and 2, chapter 1 of Jonah, we read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatatai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Then we read right through Jonah until chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Halfway through the book of Jonah, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. We are now halfway through the book of Jonah and he still has not made any progress on what God had told him to do. If you go to chapter 4 in your Bible, then the heading says... Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. Could you imagine being angry at God's compassion? 
Could you imagine being angry? There's people that are that prideful that when you help them, they're like, I don't need your help. You're like, okay, you know, like, I'll take it for myself, right? Why? Because there's a sense of pride of like, no, I could do this myself. Here's Jonah. The title says, Jonah's anger to the Lord's compassion. Jonah was a prophet of God, yet he spends most of his time complaining or disobeying God. And he somehow fails to reach the pinnacle of the prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah. He falls hard on hard times, and having been swallowed by a huge fish, he's thrown up on the beach. He hadn't made any progress and had suffered greatly because he had failed to obey God and to recognize God's call because it did didn't come. When we live like that, we end up whining like the writer of Ecclesiastes who says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all the labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. See, whether you are in a trough of this kind of point of view or whether you just want to avoid it in the future, then this afternoon I want to suggest some things that you can practically do to avoid them. But before we look at what there is or, or that there is some that I would like to tell you about your life that God wants you to know. It's a real famous verse. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many have read it before? It has been one of the passages of Scripture that has been quoted so much that we have run the danger of missing the message because of familiarity. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. I need to read the other three verses says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. See, a lot of us, we stop right there. We're like, God has big plans for me, but I continue living my life the same. God is going to prosper me. God's going to do great things in my life, but I continue living the same. God is going to do big things in my life, but I continue to live the same. But it says in verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Don't you love a God that listens to you? Don't you love a God that that doesn't waste a prayer? None of your prayers are wasted. He hears them. He sees them. He listens to them and in his time will respond to them. And it says in verse 13, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, that's the key. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Not with your intellect, not with how much Bible you know, not with your behavior, not, not, with, not with your gifts or your talents. It says with all of my heart. And a lot of us in our heart, there's things that are there that no one knows in our heart, there's things that, that, that we've held on to. There's things that we're passionate about. There's things that we love. There's things that, that we've disliked. Whatever it may be, God says, I want all of that. When you seek me with everything, not 98% of your life, not just on Sundays, when you seek me with all of your heart, when you make this a lifestyle that affects all of you, you'll find me. That's, that's a lot of where we're at. We're seeking for different things. Some of us were so focused on finding a husband, so focused on finding a wife. We're so focused on that next big money market decision. We're so focused on, 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 our, on our health and, we're so, and all that is great and good. But what I'm saying is that a lot of us, we put more effort, more passion, more zeal into those things. And God is saying, I have all those things for you in its time. But you need to seek me with all of your heart, with your insecurities and with your confidence. Seek me with all of it, with what you have and with what you don't have when you seek me what does the bible say we talked about it he's the one that makes your paths straight straight we're seeking all over this place we're going this way and we're going this way and we're responding to this message we're responding to this and god is saying i need you to focus back to the basics can we just focus on me can we just worship me can you have prayer life with me can you read the word of god with me your friend doesn't want to join you for the ig pick it's okay i'm here praying and worshiping god studying his word for me for myself so that i can take this that i've learned for someone else says, then 
your paths become straight. When you seek him. Then the 14, verse 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. The beauty of knowing that if I'm in a problem right now, if I'm going through a situation right now, if it's heavy right now, the word of God tells me when I seek him, he rescues me. When I seek you, he saves me. When I seek him, he makes my path straight. When I seek him, he gives me all that I need because his plans are to prosper me and not to harm me and to give me a hope and a future. See, this prophecy was brought by Jeremiah to the people of Israel. And the prophecy does not promise immediate answers. There's no quick fixes here. The people were in Babylon because of their disobedience. And they're going to be there for some time. But this prophecy comes out the fact that God's heart is towards his people. And he talks of his passion for their long-term good. See, what I'm going through, what I'm facing, God promises that he will save me from captivity. But while I'm going through whatever it is that I'm going through, God may be trying to extract something that the devil's trying to use against you. God's trying to put things together that you may not be ready to sustain just yet. There's God building and molding, God's pruning and cutting, God's doing certain things in order for you to be able to handle the glory that God has for your life. So you got to go through it. You have to face it. It says there's no quick fix here. It was a prophecy saying that God will save you from captivity. Keep seeking me. Keep going hungry for me. Keep coming after me because you will find me when you do that. See, what God would have you know is that his long-term plans are good for you. If you are one of his people that he said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, then you need to know that God has long-term plannings or long-term plans for blessings. The big picture is good. The small print around this prophecy suggests that not everything will be instant, but God is at work. We can rely on God's part in working out his plans, but what does God want us to do so that we can know his blessing and his vision is working out in our lives? What does he want us to do? I'm going to give you one word. Write this down. You can write it in capital letters. You can write it in lowercase letters, another capital letter, whatever it is. But the word is obey. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, obey. Let them know. Let them know. Obey. Simple. Just obey. Obey. Some of y'all looked at your kids right now. You were like, pastor's talking to you. Obey. Obey. See, obedience is always better than sacrifice. Obedience to God is not only a way to worship him, but a way to get closer to him, to prepare him for whatever he leads you to and, and to grow you as a person. As Christians, we know we are not saved by our works, but that our faith without works is dead. And obeying God should not be a burden, but rather a joy, a way of worshiping him and growing in your faith. Ultimately, we feel most satisfied when we are in right relationship to God, which can only come through obedience. Now, I, I did a, uh, an acrostic of the word obey, and I, and I want to show it here on the screen, but it's, it's an acrostic of it, and, and I want to break it down for you. The first one for obey is open yourself up daily to God. Open yourself up daily to God. I've spoken to people whose prayer life had not been going well, and then, and then they spent time organizing themselves so they could have re revitalized quiet time. Essentially, they removed distractions. Last week I shared that if God is not filling our thoughts and occupying our attention daily, then what is? The reality is that we are always being formed. We are being shaped by everything that holds our gaze, whether we realize it or not. As I look at that guy, it's shaping who I am. As I look at that girl, it's shaping who I am. As I look at that business, it's shaping who I am. And God is saying, I need you to open yourself up daily to me. This is part of obedience. We just read in Jeremiah 29, but verse 13, where it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Open yourself up daily to God, not just on Sunday. Because if it's just today, by Monday evening... <laughs> You're like, 
I was sitting there this morning, and my dad was preaching on how, man, the times that we're living in today and, 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 and how if we're not on fire for God now, could you imagine what happens 10 years from now when maybe what we're doing right now is against the law? Because, and he said an example, if I get offended by someone not saying hi to me in church and it makes me leave the church, well, then when a gun's to your head, you're probably going to say, no, I don't believe in God. I know that's extreme. And I sat there talking to my wife, and I said, man, babe, for our son, Jovang, it's going to be even worse. And Maria looked at me, that's probably why he's so like, Rah! you know, I was like, praise God. I hope that that passion, that zeal, that, uh, you know, disrespect, it all is for the glory of God. That that fire that's inside my thirdborn, that the, he is, I really believe it in Jesus' name, is one of the prophets in my house. I believe in Jesus' name that he is a preacher and a speaker, that he has something inside of him that's a fire within him. He was brought here for a purpose, just like my daughter and my son. But there's something about this quarantine child that was born out of nothing. Well, it was something, but out of a miracle. Something different about those kids that were born 2020 and beyond. It's like God is creating a zeal already, saying it's going to be worse by the time he's 18, but I need people at that age already on fire for God, that when they step out, they're unapologetic, unashamed of the, of, of the gospel, that they're literally saying, if it wasn't for Jesus and what God did, and my father and my grandfather and all those that came before me, I'm going to continue this very thing. But why would he got to wait 20 years for now and we can't start that now? To have a zeal and passion for God, we have to open ourselves daily to God. We need him every day. The fruit of the Spirit has to be operating every single day. It needs to be matured every day. We have to go through seasons. We have to go through things. We have to go through things that are molding us and maturing us and really developing us for his kingdom. If we don't open up ourselves daily to God, we're going to die. The second one is back yourself with God. Back yourself with God. Believe what he says and act on it. A statesman once said, some people see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask why not. See, 1 John 4, 4 tells me that you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, greater is he that is in me, is referring to God in you, the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, all believers receive the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, which means he is God. God is the one who is inside of us. The one who is in the world is Satan. Numerous times throughout the Bible, we are told that Satan is the God of the world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says specifically, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Therefore, when John says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, he is saying that God is greater than the devil. We quote it and it causes a hurrah moment. But am I really believing that there's a God that's inside of me? Do I really live my life daily that he is within me? Or do I allow my feelings and my emotions dictate my life? And to really be like, I'm down today. I just, I need a mental health day today. I don't feel good today. My stomach, my, my tummy hurts. You know, it's just, I need, and I'm not trying to make fun of nobody, but a lot of us, we have become so dependent on those very things that we've self-diagnosed ourselves with conditions that God has not over your life. And we're literally saying, I am depressed. You're calling it out. Listen to today's music. It's all depressive, depressive, and just really glorifies being depressed and being in a moment of like, ugh, just zombies and all these things. And God is saying, no, I've called you for a time as this because there's something that's greater inside of you, and that is me. And because it's God, God, as I said last week and the weeks before, his word is alive. His word is active. When I consume that very thing, when I read his word, when I believe his word, when I live his word, what happens to me? I become alive and active. Whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert, you're alive. So glad you're listening to our podcast. And we're believing it'll bless your life. 
and our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful, and you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. I know in my walk as a leader in high-capacity ministry, when I say high capacity, meaning that you're over a lot of things, you have to worry about a lot of things happening. There's a lot of moving pieces. And you have to give your attention to everything equally in a sense to make sure that things are running. You have to support, you have to pastor, you have to encourage, you have to empathize, you have to, all these things. And, and within this, this life of mine, I had before, because I grew up more Pentecostal where it was so ruthless when it came to the belief of God and the move of God and the experience and, and having an emotional encounter with God, that, that a lot of times if you did it, that means you were in sin, or if you didn't feel it, it's because you're, you're disconnected or you're apart or you're a rebel. Like, man, I just, I'm tired. That's really all it is. Lift your hands. This is hour four. Like, you know, I mean, just, I was the kid that was sleeping underneath the seats at 15. <laughs> You're like, way too old to be under the seat sleeping. Take up three chairs. No, no, I'm just kidding. But what I'm saying, because of that, then I had a lack of empathy. And it's still something that God works in me. I sometimes sit there, I can listen to somebody's problem and be like, I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, I hope I'm not showing on my face what I'm thinking. So I'm like, yeah. And throughout these years, it's a, it's a thing I've asked God, help me be empathetic. And I love it. We had a, a, a counseling class, I don't know, last year sometimes. Last year, what was it called again? I said a counseling class. Was it counseling? Yeah, it was a counseling, and we talked about empathy, and it really hit me, it convicted me, right? You're like, wow, this was just last year? Yeah, last year, it convicted me, right? Because in some things I'm empathetic, in other things I'm not, right? And I, and I was like, Lord, help me, help me empathize, help me empathize, because I'm really big on if you have a responsibility, then hey, if you give your word, then hey, give your word. If, you, if you've done this, if you're committed, then be committed. If you're, and I'm just like, come on, I, I thought this was normal. Like, I thought this, but no, not, not anymore. You have to be like, you're not committed, it's okay, oh, don't worry, here, lay down. You had a tough day today? What happened? A squirrel hit you? Oh. Now that's extreme exaggeration. I'd be like, I'm wasting my time, get out of my office. But what I'm really saying is empathy. The empathy of going, man, someone's going through something and it hurts. And maybe I'm able to overcome it quicker because I've gone through it before already. But we should have an ounce of empathy. Just a way of being empathetic to understand what people are going through. I don't know why I went there, but uh, it leads into the E, which is evangelize. And here's the part I think where we're at, because I believe God has done a shift in this church in the last seven weeks exactly. Because seven weeks ago, God did a miraculous move of God in this room. And something changed. And if you haven't been here and haven't been consistent for seven weeks, well, then you missed out on a lot of stuff that happened in the last seven weeks. If you did vacation, then God bless you. Yes, take your time. Take your time. But if it was just like, I don't feel like going, I'm tired. There goes the empathy part. <laughs> there goes that I'm Pentecostal. We were in church four times a week, which was terrible. And no, we're not doing that here, okay? Just want to let y'all know. What I'm saying is, where's the hunger and the zeal for God, for community, for being in what God is doing? I need this. Now, I know if I don't have it, I can do it at home too. I get it. But what I'm saying is just as important, the zeal for God, if you're a leader especially, to be in the house, to be a part of what God is doing. If you've ever put, had yourself, put yourself in a position where like, I, I didn't know that. Where have you been? I didn't know that was happening there. Are you even listening to what's happening here? If I'm planted, this is not even in there. If I'm planted, if I'm in what God's, if God said, this is my house, this is my church, this is the season I want you to be in here, can we do it with passion or not at all? Can we be all in with what God is asking us to do? 
Here's the thing. The, the beauty of it is, is I could come here selfish and receive friendships and receive love and receive word and all this stuff, but God doesn't want to just to keep it for ourselves. God is calling us to evangelize, to go out and let people know of what God's done inside of me. We have to identify and then take our parts in God's plan to tell the world about his wonderful provision of salvation. God wants people to know about his promise to forgive sins. Just imagine a third world country where people are living in abject poverty. People's health and lives are in absolute misery. An offshore oil well is struck and the king faces a massive windfall of many billions of dollars and orders that a large amount is to be split among its population. There is to be a payout of $100,000 to every adult in the land. That means 100 for me, 100 for you, baby. Then look at this. It says, and then it says, all they must do is come into the capital to hand over their disease-ridden clothes and possessions to the king's son who will take them and burn them, then hand over clean clothes and the $100,000. The promise is for every citizen. The king announces it to his prime minister, sends his son to the city square. Initially, many people come and they avail themselves of the great offer, but then the flow simply dries up. The king inquires just as to why so many of his citizens are living in poverty, still even though they have been abundantly provided for. The answer is that a large number have obeyed his call to come and receive the amount that will save them, but have disobeyed the call to go and invite others. That sounds ridiculous, but that is the state of the church today. Whatever your role is in the church, you are to be a soul winner, a winner of hearts for Jesus. I, I had to analyze that as I was preparing this. It's like, my God, you know, maybe it seems a little easier for me because I'm preaching from a stage and it calls a reaction and people arrive. But this is just one thing. How about when I'm by myself in Walmart or in HEB or when I'm talking to my close friends that don't come to my church or don't believe in God? How about, am I witnessing to them? Am I sharing what God's been doing in my life and in the lives of people that are next to me? Am I letting people know about Jesus? And if, if the answer is no, then why are we here? Because every seat is expected and prayed for to be filled. But life takes time away for us to do what God said we all should be doing. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jonah's role in his story represents the attitude of many in Israel towards other nations. Instead of accepting their own calling to help these nations come to know the true God, they considered them enemies and expected God to destroy them. This story teaches that God's love extends beyond Israel to all the other nations, indeed to the entire whole creation. So what happens in the church today? Because they don't believe like me, then I, I, don't even, I want nothing to do with you. And we've created such a divide which, yes, stand up for what we believe. Speak out about certain things. I've been a little bit more vocal than I have been before about certain things and being responsible with my influence on social media. Of saying what is wrong is wrong. What is right is right. But not just saying it. Giving tools to help you. To let you know and it points you towards Jesus. Because I can stand and be just, just bitter. And then and people will just look at me and, and, and look at me as I'm bitter and being critical about all these things. But can I pray for the people that don't believe the way I believe in? Can I talk to people that don't see it the way I see it? Can we sit down and have conversation? Can I receive insult and be okay and be like, I know that God saved me and can still save you? Can I do those very things or am I only comfortable with the people that believe like me? He said, go out. Jonah had an assignment to go somewhere that was become wickedness and he got scared and disobeyed said, I can't do it. I don't know if he was just waiting for God to just destroy it rather than him preach. Because when he ended up preaching, people got saved. 
What is God asking you to do? And the final one is yield yourself to God. Obey. Yield yourself to God. Obey even when what you are being asked is distasteful for you. See, when I said the part of, okay, I've been called to go make disciples, I've been called, a lot of us, we may fill our minds in that moment with like, man, so that means I gotta gotta carry my Bible, I gotta go preach to somebody, I gotta, no, no. You know how you live your life? Speaks volumes that will attract and draw people to wanna know what it is that is helping you run the way you run. How I respond, how I act, how people see me will determine how different I am. Not different because I'm better. Different because I'm anointed and I'm set apart. And God is looking at it and he's looking for people that would be like, can you be unashamed? Can you yield yourself to God? You may feel spiritually apathetic in this moment where you're like, I don't even feel what's happening. I want to. Have you yield yourself, fully surrender to God? Have you opened yourself to God? Have you been back and, and, and really believe yourself in Him and act in faith? Have, are you taking part in the Great Commission and you're evangelizing? Am I yielding myself to God? See, this week was beautiful seeing our revived kids at Summer Blast and seeing them worship and, and have fun and make new friends and ultimately having fun competition while learning about Jesus and about their identity and and God. But what was also beautiful, something that I was able to experience just watching from a distance, was seeing new people volunteer to help serve the kids. Can I tell you that our Revive Kids ministry needs people? There's gifts that you have that you could be impacted the next generation with. We want to invest in the youngest to help offset what the enemy wants to do in their life. Could it be that God's calling you? I mean, I need to understand why before you volunteer for any of our kids' ministries because we don't just take anybody. But what I'm saying, is there a drive inside of you to be like, man, that's important. Saw volunteers that have never volunteered before in our church that were here, they were part of what was happening. And seeing people that were once not serving in any capacity now serve, and I could feel purpose was being established in people's lives. When you yield yourself to God, purpose is established, then community follows. And a lot of times at the beginning, you might feel like you're by yourself doing it. All of a sudden, you're on fire for God. You're on fire for your church. You're sharing about what God's doing in your life, and no one's responding to it. No one may not understand because it's a different you. But God is brewing purpose inside of you. Don't give up in those molding moments. Don't give up when it doesn't feel like it's the way it should be. God is saying, this is where I have you right now. Because community is on its way. And many times the problem with spiritual apathy is that we are not serving. And we fail to realize that we discover our purpose through serving. There's a principle. Serving is the greatest measure of our greatness. If we truly desire to discover God's purpose for our lives, we have to find a place to serve. When you don't serve and you just show up and go home, You might be prone to say, man, I don't feel like I have friends in that church. Man, you start, thought starts coming into your head like, man, I just, I only see Spanish people leading. I only see this. I I only see this. And and you're not in it. You're not serving. And God is like, we're trying. We're casting the net. Come on, God, bring the diversity. God, bring the equipped leaders that don't look just like me and my race. God, bring the people that just, just come on, bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. Could it be that you're one of the pioneers, one of the trailblazers that's going to help impact people all across this city because of your story? For my Hispanics, I'm not putting you to the side. I I am so appreciative of all those that serve and sacrifice their time to be here and pick up the plow when no one else wants to. 
Now you may ask, why did you just say that? Because when we started as a church, we started as a Spanish service. So what you may see first is that. But the beauty of what's been happening the last seven weeks of this year is that God has been bringing all walks of life into this room. And my prayer has been, and my Father's prayer has been, God, send the equipped. God, send people that have gone through it. God, send people that have been crushed in the process. God, send people that were rejected. God, send people that have a voice inside. God, send people with a fire in their belly. God, send people that look at skin one color and not any other. God, send people that understand the vision to be revived. God, send people to pick this up when we can't do it no more God send them and what is God doing he's sending them God is bringing them God is revealing them people are arriving being healed being revived and there's preachers that are in this house there's ministers that are in this house there's prophets that are sitting down there's leaders that are sitting down and God is saying it is time to wake up from that spiritual apathy and get the calling that I place inside of you have a fervor for the Lord start running your race no more sitting no more worrying about the church that hurts you it's time to let it go and start building the church it's time to walk away Could you believe that God can elevate, enhance, maximize, and accelerate things here at Revive to be an impact for this city? Not to be the biggest church, not to be the greatest church, no, to be a purposed church for God to move in His presence to spread in this city. we can be called upon from the mayor called upon from the school board called upon from the government officials to say I need to speak to someone at Revive we need prayer we need people in this place we need you in our meetings could it be that God could do that with people that are in this room but what do we do we give up we walk away we get so easily offended And we've allowed the culture of this world to dictate my faith. And we've allowed the culture of this world to allow me to respond. No, that's not for me. No, that's not until they say sorry. Until I do this, we are wasting time. God is saying the time is now. When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, don't be surprised when he shows up. Yield yourself to God. Start serving Serving it is an expression of our faith. Our serving is a part of our faith. It expresses God's heart towards others in the earth. Every believer should find a place to serve. Doing nothing should not be an option as a believer. It is time to serve. It is time to stand up. It is time to be a part of what God's doing in this house, in the global church, expanding his kingdom. coming up Friday we got revived small groups and here's the problem here's the problem we don't got enough leaders and we've been it's been hard right the coordinators know it's been difficult why because there's certain things that we want to assess like do you want to be a leader could you be responsible could you do this could you there's 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 a standard there's there's a there's a process in place Some of us don't want to go through it, so we'd rather just, we could be the first ones to complain. I don't feel fellowship in that church. I don't feel like I'm a part of anything, but you haven't even stepped into a small group. You haven't even been a part of what God is doing. If you want to sign up for a small group, if you feel like you can lead a small group, we need to know. We want to prepare you. We want to build you up. It is time to be intimate with the things of God. You can sign up today for a small group right outside. Is this Friday? Are you comfortable walking to somebody's house to get free food? I mean, there might be food. I don't know. It depends on the leader. Some leaders go all out. I'm like, whoa. I have a couple favorites. You won't know. You know what I'm saying? Just, if I'm hungry, hungry, I'm going to show up to this one. If, I'm, <laughs> if I want to be fed, I'm going to go this one. Yield yourself. 
close with this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8 says, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's small groups right there. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We need community. First Thessalonians, one of Paul's most personal letters, identifies some of the key components for establishing and maintaining community. And the first one, I'm just going to give you two to close. Number one is concede your need for others. It says it in verse 70. But just as a child needs a mother, we need each other. In another letter, Paul identified this need to belong. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 through 22, it says, As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. See, this need for others is rooted deep within our souls. God planned it that way. That's why God said it is not good for the man to be alone. This need for others is God-given and deeply rooted in our lives. Abraham Maslow, a non-believer, reinforced God's original design and planned through his well-known theory of the hierarchy of needs. Maslow believed that one could learn as much by studying healthy, well-adjusted people as one could be as one could by studying those with problems. His conclusion was that each of us has various levels of need. As we satisfy one level, we then move up to the next level. Maslow's research revealed that before we can be a person of value and become all that we were intended to become, we first must have our social needs met. We must be part of a group, affiliating with others experiencing caring and sharing relationships. That's why for the leaders that are in the room, why is it that Andres and Marie are so hard on standard and structure and process? Because I see this place blowing up. And if we don't have that in place, we won't be able to sustain it. There's things we can't do of the old that God is asking us to do in the new. If God said a harvest is coming, we have to be able to handle it. If God said people will arrive, we have to know what to do. If God says that I'm going to fill this place beyond this walls, we got to be ready for it. encouraged to know that some people have to stand in the gap when it's uncomfortable. That some people have to do it because others don't want to. It got to say you have to be responsible. Because if the vision is to make this world become revival and to be revived and this city to be revived, God could do it because wherever the presence of God is, it'll grow, it'll flourish. But we have to be responsible for it. We have to be in community. We have to be part of a group. We have to build and hold each other accountable. We have to build each other up. The second one is cultivate deep relationships. Do not take relationships lightly. To survive in a cold and cruel world requires deep relationships. But those relationships do not just happen, they require effort. You reap what you sow. Can I say this? I, I just, Holy Spirit, zombie, just. I can't expect people to call me if I wasn't a person that would call people. I can't expect people to say, how are you doing if I never did it myself? That you're looking at me, I'm going through some things and, and it's been difficult, but no, you reap what you sow. Why is it that, Vivian, you're so popular when it comes to friendship, people want to be around you? Because you take time for people. I'll never forget the waffles 10 years ago. It blessed my life. Now I want to go to her house all the time to eat waffles. She makes the best waffles. I just got to let y'all know that. They're amazing. You cultivate deep 
relationships. You make the effort to say, even if I don't see a return, I'm doing this because it's the heart of God. Even if I don't see a response, I'm doing this because God says, I love you. And when that happens, guess what? When you're going through what you're going through, when you feel alone in a pout, God starts stirring people up to call you, to reach out to you because you reap what you sow. It's a principle. Don't get too busy in ministry to forget about the people that are around you. Don't get too busy leading that you forget who's next to you and by your side. Cultivate deep relationships. We must do more than just reach out to each other. We have to share our lives with one another as well. This truth was one of the secrets of Paul's establishment of supportive relationships. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Here was a man that every time he wrote to a church, he would always call by name two, three, or four people that were very close to him. Paul had developed significant relationships with these people found in these verses. There's three words from the basis of developing relationship with the past, the test of time. He says care. He says share. And he says love. Because we loved you so much. How do I break spiritual apathy? It's time to return to the familiar. Come on, stand to your feet. We're done, we're done, we're done. It's time to return to the familiar. It's time to return to the familiar. It's time to get on your face. It's time to return to the familiar. If you are trusting in Jesus, then the Spirit lives inside of you. As you wander, which we know we're prone to do, the Spirit is within you, calling you back to Jesus. Hebrews warns us five times not to resist the Spirit's invitation, but when you get on your face and cry out to God, can we go back to the familiar? There's something about a humble posture that reflects a humble heart. It isn't magic, but if you're desperate for the Spirit to fill your heart and breathe new life into you, calling out to God in a posture of humility is a powerful way to show it. So if you find yourself in the desert or roaming in the wilderness, don't wait and get on your face. Jesus is the only place that true life is found. Do whatever it takes to get to him. So Father, we just, we humble ourselves in this moment. Because man, God, we wanted our way so much, including myself in this prayer. And we forget just the basics of seeking after you. You said it so clearly that you will find, that we will find you. That your word says when I draw near to you in your presence, you in your presence draws near to me. It requires action. 